become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. and salutations, I am the TRS-80, a hypersenient pop culture artificial intelligence created to introduce you to a podcast starring a guy who is going to do nothing but read you stories off the internet. I warn you that these stories will only contain information about future films, video games and television shows. You have been warned, here he is the Jstrom. Presents Landfill News with your host, the Jstrom. Now, here's your host, the Jstrom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Entertainment Landfill News. I am your host, the Jstrom. I am here to talk about film, television, pop culture, and video game news. And welcome to the landfill, everyone. Hey, I did it. I pulled it off, I think. Um, yeah, I'll work on it. Uh, and, uh, hey, we're here in the landfill. That's that's all I got to say. But, uh, guys, welcome to the show. Uh, I didn't get to do the show yesterday. I was feeling a little under the weather. Um, I want to have energy when I do the show. So uh, I waited today, and luckily, I do. I had to, you know, take the car to get an oil change, but luckily that didn't take too long. Um, and uh, before I get into the news, I want to mention that I did see uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadows uh, during the weekend. Saw it with my wife and daughter and mother-in-law. Uh, we all really dug the movie. Um, I remember the the first film... It, you know, I, it was really hard to get over the way the turtles looked. They had nostrils. They were big and muscular, and they were fully CGI now. They're no longer like the Jim Henson type of, uh, you know, animatronic type of guys in suits and stuff. Um, but this film, I didn't feel any of that because I was used to it from the last film. The last film was just okay, you know, uh... It didn't really feel like the Ninja Turtles to me, but I saw my daughter enjoyed it, and you know she's she's older now, she's twelve, and uh, but she did grow up on the cartoon, the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, where they have you know their letters of to their name on their belt buckles, etc. 
this film has Bebop and Rocksteady, and it has Krang from the cartoon. And the reason my daughter uh, watched those cartoons is because I bought them for her on DVD. I thought she would dig it. And she really did. So when this film came around and it had those characters in there, I could see her. She was really getting into it. She really dug it. Uh, it also has Casey Jones. They introduced him. It's the dude who plays Arrow, Steve Amell. I thought actually the weakest character was probably, uh, believe it or not, I'm going to talk about weak characterization in a Ninja Turtle movie, but uh, Casey Jones, he's like a cop who uh, you know loses his job, who decides in this moment to help out. But in the comic books, he's a vigilante. And even in the, the, the first film, they introduced Casey Jones as a uh, vigilante. So I thought it was interesting how they're like, no, 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 he's not a vigilante. How about he's a cop? And they're like, you know, Oh, okay. He's a cop now. But uh, other than that, it's, I'm not going to say it's a fantastic, you know, uh, really real thinker, real pot boiler. It's, you know, it's a Ninja Turtles movie with CGI effects and it had some uh, fun set pieces and uh, I enjoyed it. I like that they made it more cartoony. They introduced characters from a cartoon. They fully embraced Krang, a giant robot with a gross looking uh, creature who's operating the robot inside the stomach. Uh, they're just like, you know what? This is all ridiculous. Let's just go for it. And they do that. So uh, I thought that was fun. Um, so you may dig it. Now, uh, E3 is next week. The Electronic Entertainment Expo where Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, they unveil all sorts of games. I love E3. I love reading about all the game launches and stuff like that. You know, they show the trailers to these new games that also won't be out for like a year or two years, but you know, they exist. So you get excited. I eat all that stuff up. And, uh, for the last two years, Bill and my daughter, Emma and I have done an E3 special. If you're into that, hopefully you listen to those. We had a lot of fun just going over the press conferences and the games they showed. And I'm real excited to do that again this year. I love that it rolls around right when my daughter gets out of school, kind of like responsibility and getting up early's out of the way. <clears throat> Monday will be the uh, Microsoft conference Monday morning. So I'll get her out of bed. Come on, come on. It's starting. And we'll watch it and it'll be exciting. And uh, I can't wait to hook up with Bill and talk about this thing. So I'm really excited about E3. So I guess I should say right now that next week there will not be any tail news. There will be an E3 special. So that will kind of be in the place of this show. So I hope you guys are excited about it. Now, um, Warcraft comes out this Friday. And uh, it's not getting good reviews. Uh, 22% rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. And I've talked about it before. It's, you know, written by a bunch of people who you don't know who they are. For instance, Stephanie Mary of the Washington Post said, Here's hoping the next chapter languishes in development hell forever. Colin Covert from the Minneapolis, Minneapolis Star, uh, Warcraft is presented as the opening chapter in a franchise, but already I feel it's time to move on. We're done here. Okay. Bill Zwecker of Chicago Sun-Times says, 
While there are some acceptable action sequences, it's the screenplay, complicated by some less-than-inspired performances that doom Warcraft at every point along the way. And Peter Travers of Rolling Stone, God, that guy's worked there. I mean, I was in high school reading Peter Travers' movie reviews. Uh, Director Duncan Jones will live to fight another day, but you'll leave mostly worthless Warcraft with just two words ringing in your ears. Game over. Yeah, that's clever. And there are some, you know, good reviews. Brian Orndorff of Blu-ray.com says, Jones maintains patience with the tale and delivers compelling visuals, allowing those capable of surrendering to the material a chance to immerse themselves in storytelling expanse. Okay. Amy Nicholson says, Duncan Jones puts in strange, fresh beats that combine do the impossible. They make the standard shopworn CG plated epic feel like its own monster. So, um, you know, obviously I haven't seen the film yet, and I'm, I think I'm going to try to drag Steven to this. Steven's never played Warcraft, World of Warcraft, any of that stuff. Um, maybe just on the spectacle, I can get him to go see it with me. Um, but I'm interested. I don't, you know, I, I do think, and here's the gamble by Universal, is that it is only interesting to people who've played World of Warcraft, unfortunately. There are a few people here and there that think it looks intriguing. If you're into fantasy and elves and orcs and stuff like Lord of the Rings, you may, you know, like, okay, I'll check this out. But for the majority of people who don't know what this is, I doubt they'll go see it. I just don't see it happening. Uh, I want to see it based on Duncan Jones and the spectacle. Uh, I just want to see awesome. I love big, gigantic battles with like orcs and giant dudes with big axes and hammers and you know you know uh wizards and shit yeah it's all it sounds cool to me i'll i'll check it out <laughs> but um i even saw some people saying battlefield earth bad but we all know the real scale where i judge a film good or bad and that is highlander to the quickening is warcraft highlander to the quickening bad and uh Hey, that reminds me. That remains to be seen, but uh, I'll know once I see it, and I'll let you guys know. <laughs> now, let's get into some news. And also, I want to say hi to uh, Jim Lewis, Ken, and Brandon listening. Oh, and Kai Campos, thank you guys so much for listening live. The first story has to do with E3. Nintendo, if you guys remember. Back in April, they announced that the company was going to put all of its attention on the upcoming Zelda game at this year's E3. The announcement stated that The Legend of Zelda for the Wii U would be the only thing playable in Nintendo's E3 booth. And in place of the usual Nintendo Direct video, the company would instead do a day-long Zelda stream. I don't know about you, just hearing that, like if I'm going to play Zelda... I don't want to see a day-long stream of somebody else enjoying the game. I want to see all of those things for the first time. I don't want to see some other dude doing it. I'll see maybe a level or a sequence. But I don't want to watch an all-day of some guy like, And I beat the game. I hope you guys go buy this. No, I watched the game. I just You just played it. Um, it did say that Nintendo would release more info on its E3 plans later. Okay, well, today they've done exactly that, though there still isn't 
going to be a traditional Nintendo Direct, the company is expanding their E3 stream coverage with a couple of its Nintendo Treehouse streams. The first stream starts at 9am on June 14th and will still largely focus on the Wii U's Legend of Zelda, but will later include live gameplay of Pokemon Sun and Moon, guys! Woohoo! You guys into Pokemon? At 10 a.m. the next day, Nintendo Treehouse will start to stream with a Q&A with a live Pokemon Go developer and then go... Wait, I don't think I read that right. <laughs> and then go to show off upcoming releases for the Wii U and 3DS, including Monster Hunter Generations, Dragon Quest uh, 7, Fragments of the Forgotten Past, and Tokyo Mirage. Uh, I don't know. See, I'm not a Nintendo person, so I don't know what any of those games are. So they did, you know, they made it sound like it's going to be all Zelda, but I guess not. They're going to have some other stuff, but I could care less about any of it. I mean, sure. Uh, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about previous consoles I've owned. And this might be shocking to some video game people out there. Um, my first, I, you know, I never owned an Atari. I owned a ColecoVision because I won it in a contest. I've talked about that before. Then later on with my own money uh, at, at my job, I earned the money to buy a TurboGrafx-16. And that was at the time that the Sega Genesis had come out. Um, or is it the Sega Master System? I can't remember. But anyway, uh, no, I think it was the Sega Genesis. And uh, I chose the TurboGrafx-16. That was a bad decision. I should have bought a Genesis, but just because of the games that uh, didn't come out. I always had friends that owned the NES or the Super Nintendo, so I never actually owned that console, but I always had friends and played on it, you know? So I played Metroid. I played uh, the original Legends of Zelda, RC Pro-Am, and then later on Super Nintendo played Battletoads or even um, Street Fighter. And then I remember the home versions of Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat were huge. And we played them all the time. But I never actually owned a Nintendo system. My daughter has a 3DS right now. but And we have a um, Nintendo 64 that Adam Howard gave us. But uh, I didn't go live through those times of playing GoldenEye on the 64 or anything like that. So I'm curious as if this Zelda game will be so amazing, I'll be like, okay, we're buying this. We've got to get this. Uh, you know, because I could always use the excuse of um, our daughter needs a Nintendo and then I play it too or something like that. So anyway, those are Nintendo's plans. They're, they basically, they're going to talk about other games. Now, before we're done with video game stuff, uh, Microsoft isn't adding a TV DVR feature to the Xbox One anymore. Uh, the Xbox One, you you can actually hook it up to your cable box right now, and you actually see a TV guide and everything like that. And I did that when I first got it, and I didn't like it, so I just switched back to regular DirecTV. Um, I didn't need my Xbox interfering with everything, but Microsoft is no longer planning to add a TV DVR feature to its Xbox One console. The software giant originally unveiled plans to add the DVR to the Xbox One back in August, noting that the feature would arrive sometime in 2016. After careful consideration, we've decided to put development of DVR for over-the-air TV on hold. To focus our attention on launching new, higher fan-requested gaming experiences. 
across the Xbox One and Windows 10. I don't know why you have to include Windows 10 in there. I don't give a shit about that. But uh, it's true. We we want Xbox to stop talking about television and all the features and all that and just concentrate on putting out awesome games. So it sounds like they're listening to that. They're not going to talk about a DVR at E3 because nobody cares about that. We're always listening to fan feedback, and we look forward to bringing more requested experiences on the Xbox One, Windows 10, and Xbox Live this year. I noticed they're saying Windows 10 a lot. Like, I've read that, and it's been rumored that they're going to try to get Windows 10 and Xbox One kind of the same platform. You think of it as similar things. Every game that comes out on the Xbox One also comes out on Windows 10 for the PC people. But I, I don't... I'm not a PC guy, so I don't really care about that. Microsoft had originally planned to let Xbox One users schedule recordings on the go and stream or download shows to mobile devices and other Windows 10 PCs. The DVR feature would have only been limited to free over-the-air television, and Microsoft had released digital TV tuners in Europe, and the U.S. would have supported it. Microsoft killed off the Windows Media Center in Windows 10, and the company still doesn't have a viable alternative. They what? Uh, So that's it, guys. For the two people who are waiting for a DVR function on their Xbox One, um, it's not going to happen. Sorry about that. Okay, now here's some news that uh, I read it all week. I see it on different blogs and things like that. And I try not to be a dick. (laughs) Uh, I'm trying not to be a jerk. And I will try not to bomb the story. As you know, I tend to do. But I read that Star Wars Episode Eight director releases a new set photo. And I see this everywhere. Star Wars Episode Eight is nearing completion on principal photography. According to director Ryan Johnson who took to Tumblr yesterday to share a new set photo. It can be seen below. Previously, Johnson had shared teaser images of different aircraft and sets that will appear in the movie. Aircraft? Uh, That's a weird... How about spaceships? Uh, And this time around, he gave us our first look at the Jedi robes that they'll be wearing. Johnson didn't specify whose robes these belong to, but added they were in the home stretch. It's a picture of a robe on a coat hanger, guys. Do we care about this? It's a friggin' friggin' bathrobe, okay? Uh, Johnson and his crew have been set up in London's Pinewood Studios, the same location used to shoot the majority of The Force Awakens. The director hasn't shared any details about what fans can expect out of the new movie. Of course he's not! He's not gonna... Oh, shut up! Okay, I take it back. I take it back! story it's a friggin friggin robe on a coat hanger all right guys one more video game story xbox live gold members get to try ea access free next week that's right guys you get to play electronic arts games for free these include battlefield hardline dragon age inquisition titanfall and nearly every EA sports title from 2013 onward. EA Access is available only on Xbox One. Guess what, guys? You know what I think about that story? Don't really care. 
Uh, I don't want free access to these games. It's ever since that FIFA hack, like on the Xbox 360, someone somehow hacked into my Xbox, spent all my points on FIFA, like gifted it to themselves, and I never got anything out of that. So uh, that's how I feel about EA right now. (laughs) I can't believe people pay for this EA Access Hub. Customers have the option to subscribe at $4.99 a month or $29.99 a year. If they do, they keep any progress they've made in the games during the free week. An EA representative confirmed to Polygon that the trial does not include other perks of EA Access, such as a 10% discount. Shut up. Nobody cares. Okay, guys. Batman the Killing Joke gets a limited one-day release in theaters. So you better not miss this, guys. Um, The latest feature film to come out of Warner Brothers and DC's animation division will have its own worldwide premiere at the San Diego Comic-Con and be released digitally directly after. But for those looking to catch the film on the big screen, arrangements have been made. Fathom Events announced today that it will partner with Warner Brothers and DC to bring Batman the Killing Joke to theaters on July 25th for a one-day-only screening of the film. There will be two separate times for fans to check out the movie, 7.30 p.m. and 10 p.m. local time. It includes, included in the special screening is an introduction from Mark Hamill. Who could that be? Mark Hamill? I think I just saw his bathrobe on the previous story. He has voiced the Joker for years in a documentary focusing on Hamill's involvement in the film. Based on Alan Moore's controversial comic book, Batman the Killing Joke, tells the Joker's origin story. Having just escaped from Arkham Asylum, the Joker will stop at nothing to prove that anyone can be turned into a villain if enough bad things happen to them over the course of a day. The film will also include a prologue examining the relationship Barbara Gordon, otherwise known as Batgirl, has with Batman and how that will play into the storyline. It's the second Batman movie to ever receive an R rating, following Zack Snyder's extended version of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, Shut up. But, uh, I don't know. You guys want to check that out? Uh, I'm curious. I mean, I like the killing joke. I thought it was an amazing, uh, you know, it's like a standalone trade paperback. Not a trade paperback. What do they call that? Uh, pristine. No, 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 no. What do they call it? Uh, prestige format. Yeah, it was in this prestige format. It wasn't quite a comic book or graphic novel, but it's like this thin type of thing um, with a nice fancy cover. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, Suicide Squad. Remember, everybody was like, oh, it's going to be rated R, Deadpool. You know, it's showing everybody that uh, people go see comic book movies rated R now. They don't need to see this rated. Well, guess what? Suicide Squad officially rated PG-13. All right, so shut up. The MPAA has officially granted Suicide Squad a PG-13 rating for sequences of violence and action throughout, disturbing behavior, suggestive content, and language. None of which is surprising, but disturbing behavior is certainly an inspired choice of words. Sadly, this probably doesn't mean Harley Quinn is going to pop in her old DVD copy of the 1998 Katie Holmes horror thriller. Oh, hey, you guys hear that? This this uh, writer is being clever 
disturbing behavior, a movie with Katie. Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. God, I love when writers think they're funny. Although it's not shocking that the rating is somewhat comforting in light of a general assumption that studios were going to take the wrong lesson from Deadpool's success, thankfully there haven't been any studio heads going on Oprah-like bonanzas and greenlighting R-rated comic book movies left and right. To be honest, Suicide Squad will probably do just fine with a few extra F-bombs and shots of blood and gore. And given the MPAA's lenience with violence, this is most likely a pretty hard PG-13 as is. Recent test screenings reactions were largely positive, which also bodes well for Ayer's anti-superhero team-up, particularly following reports of extensive reshoots. What? Shut up. Are you serious? They just had to bring up the reshoots thing, didn't they? But it's like I said on the last episode about uh, Rogue One. Guys, reshoots happen. But these blogs, these these out, news outlets love to report it because it makes it a story. Let me take a drink here. <laughs> the story for Avengers Infinity War gave Josh Brolin goose pimples. Now, first of all, I've heard people describe goosebumps as goose pimples before but guys it's goosebumps it's not goose pimples okay when you say goose pimples that's gross it makes me have bad images in my head it's goosebumps all right that freaking guy who wrote the books knows it's goosebumps you think you would have sold a lot of books called goose pimples nobody would have bought those books but anyway back to the story josh brolin knows the entire story for avengers infinity war and the Mad Titan approves. And a new interview with Movie Phone. Welcome to Movie Phone. Brolin says that he recently got the scoop on what's to come for Marvel's premier super team. I sat at a table and I listened to the story from beginning to end, he said. Which was, you know, sometimes you go around and you go, oh, that's a great movie. Or this is a great experience. And you kind of know that it's not. This is the opposite. Although Brolin has been playing Thanos or Thanos since 2014, they say hey, he's been playing him like he's on stage on Broadway. Uh, since 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy, he's never made more than an extended cameo as the character to date. Brolin says that way more about playing Thanos or Thanos <laughs> in this one interview. Dan Thanos has said on screen in all of his appearances so far, there could be, it'd be so much easier to say he has more to say about this character now than the lines that he had in the movie. It's just, they go about this way of saying it. Roland even admits to movie phone that without doing a whole heck of a lot, he's already gotten more publicity about Thanos than he had for anything else he's ever done. And while we're on the subject, Hail Caesar is one of the best movies of the year, and Brolin is terrific in it, and that's now available on Blu-ray. Oh, well, that's nice to plug that in there. Um, I haven't seen it. These Avengers stories all come down to this conclusion, and that's our involvement. Basically, my character against everybody. And it's really fun what they've chosen to do with the story. I think it's brilliant, personally. I was blown away and I had goose pimples pretty much 50% of the time that I was listening to what was going on and pretty amazed that I'm going to be involved in it. Wow. 
So that was the end of the quote, and I didn't even know Mad Titans could get goose pimples. <laughs> they're not goose pimples, they're goosebumps. What's wrong with these people? <laughs> uh, that was the wrong drop there. <laughs> I forgot that got played last. There we go. Hey, I want to ask the chat room, what do you call it? Goose pimples or goosebumps? I'm just curious to know. Maybe it's like a, um, a regional thing. You know how, like, uh, Bill and I will always compare our regional things we say. Like, in Pittsburgh, it's called a sweeper. In Texas, it's called a vacuum. Or anywhere else in the world, it's called a vacuum. But uh, I'm curious to what you guys have to say about that. Now, I also saw this story everywhere, and it was driving me nuts. J.K. Simmons, Commissioner Gordon, is going to be ripped in Justice League. That's right. I saw that headline J.K. Simmons is getting ripped for Justice League. Uh-oh. Hey, Batman, you better watch out. There's another ripped guy in Gotham. That would be Commissioner Gordon played J.K. Simmons. I see that over and over again. Now let me read the story. If you had any remaining doubt regarding Zack Snyder's gritty and totally jacked aesthetic for the DC Universe, look no further than J.K. Simmons. The Oscar-winning character actor is apparently getting totally ripped for Justice League, giving us a Commissioner Gordon unlike any we've ever seen before. If you were expecting the sensible, sweater-wearing, gruff yet kindly law enforcement official you've come to know and admire, you'll need to adjust those ideas accordingly. Batman News, is that a like a paper I can pick up somewhere? Batman News? Picked up this photo from Instagram, posted by celebrity trainer and Marine Aaron Williamson. In it, J.K. Simmons is getting properly pumped up for his role in Justice League, sporting some bulging biceps that would make The Rock proud. Commissioner Gordon or professional wrestler? The only word to describe this photo of Simmons is jacked. A buff version of the classic Batman ally certainly isn't expected, but it's not entirely surprising in Snyder's DC universe either. Batman v Superman featured a slightly different take on Alfred. Yeah, Alfred, he was like pumping iron and stuff. No, he wasn't really. And although we didn't learn much about him in the film, aside from his hope that Bruce would settle down with a nice lady and start a family, the official companion book revealed his past as a special forces operative skilled in combat, weapons, and intelligence. So what's Simmons Commissioner Gordon going to be like? Maybe a, formative, a former Marine? Possibly a one-time Mr. Universe champ? We'll find out enough, I reckon. When Justice League hits theaters November 17th. Shut up! So that's what I, you, you, you guys, JK Simmons getting pumped up. He's working out. So that means he's going to be working out in the movie. Okay. You guys excited about that. Okay. Um, usually bill does the DVDs, but I wanted to mention that, uh, DVDs, uh, Zootopia just came out on Blu-ray. I highly recommend it. Fun for the whole family. This great Disney animated film with all sorts of animals. Jason Bateman, Jennifer Goodwin. It's really good. Um, Hail Caesar, as the last story mentioned, was uh, out. Starring uh, George Clooney and Scarlett Johansson. It's a Coen Brothers film. I'm curious about that. I want to see it. Uh, I never did see Elvis and Nixon with Michael Shannon and Kevin Spacey. Um, I'd have to look to see what kind of reviews that got. 
But I am excited that June 14th, and this is interesting because we talked about 10 Cloverfield Lane on the show. Bill, Steven, and I, we all enjoyed the film. But here's the thing. Do I want to own it on Blu-ray? I thought it was really well made. It's the kind of film where once you know what happens and you see it to the end, um, do I go back for more? There's incredible performances by John Goodman, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I don't know. I, I don't think that's a buy for me, honestly, when I think about it. It's not something I want to go out and buy. London Has Fallen with Gerard Butler comes out. Eh, I think I'm going to skip that. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. And on June 21st, guys, look forward to my big fat Greek wedding, too. Yeah. But the thing I'm excited about, guys, is uh, I mentioned this on the, the Facebook and all that kind of stuff. It is that Highlander is get, is has gotten a stunning 4K restoration that's coming to Blu-ray July 11th. And I can't freaking wait. I love Highlander. Talked about it before. Can't stand Highlander 2 or any of the sequels. The one with uh, Mario Van Peebles where he gets cut in half. It's hilarious. The Highlander series, remember the TV show? And then they did a movie with the guy from the TV show and uh, <laughs> Connor McLeod, uh, uh, b- 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 uh, Christopher Lambert. Yeah, not good. But I do love the first Highlander, the direction in it by Russell Mulcahy, the sweeping camera, the... The way that it transitions from the past to the present day back to the past is so awesome. It's so amazing. I haven't seen any transitions like that done except for, you know, now that I think about it in the graphic novel for the killing joke, they had these wonderful transitions that they also used in the Watchmen. It's almost like I'd love to talk to, uh, you know, Russell Mulcahy and ask where were those transitions in the script or did the director come with them? Cause they are amazing. And, um, there's even one that goes from under, uh, from the water in Scotland to a fish tank in present day. And it's so brilliantly done. Uh, I love Highlander. It's so exciting from the, I could do a commentary just for me going, Oh, look at this shot here. I'm not, I love camera movement and camera work. You know, that's why I love Sam Raimi so much. And unfortunately, Russell Mulcahy never did another film that was as good as Highlander. Um, he did the lost boys. I mean, <laughs> the wild boys video for Duran Duran that came close, but, uh, everything else, Bad, 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 bad. And, uh, you know, he even did, um, the film before he made Highlander was called Razorback. And that's actually very interesting. Sheep stomach stuffed with meat and barley. Yeah. I love Highlander. I'm definitely going to pick that up. That's a must buy for me. And just, uh, out of curiosity, I'm going to look up Mulcahy. All right. I am DB. Let's see what this fool is doing now. Okay. But all I know, it's been nothing but disappointment since uh, Islander. He's directed 34 episodes of Teen Wolf on MTV. Wow. Um, let's see. Uh, he did The Scorpion King Rise of a Warrior. 
Okay. Uh-huh. Resident Evil Extinction. Um, you know, enough said. I don't need to read this anymore. But, guys, he did Highlander, so that's all that matters, right? Razorback, and then Highlander, Highlander to the Quickening, which, by the way, if there was a movie that ever, like, you put a director on a pedestal after Highlander, like, I can't wait to see what he does next, and then gets knocked off so quickly, never to be recovered again. He also did Ricochet f- with uh, Denzel Washington and uh, with an evil John Lithgow <laughs> that is so ridiculous, you just have to see it. But he's never recovered from the genius that is Highlander. Um, I'm excited about that. Now, guys, it's time for another ridiculous story. Oh, 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 wait. June 28th, Kung Fu Panda 3 comes out, which I thought was awesome. I saw that with my family. And Whoa, what is this? Adventures in Babysitting starring Sabrina Carpenter? No, they did a remake of that? Screw you, man. No. Sheep stomach stuffed with meat and barley. Yeah, exactly. You can't replace... 80s Elizabeth shoe, okay? It's not going to happen. And this story was hilarious. PayPal won't refund a Twitch troll's $50,000 in donations. Okay, uh, if you're wondering what this is about, is um, if you go on Twitch, you can watch people playing games. I've been twitching a lot. The Last of Us, I just finished it yesterday, where I play the game and you can watch me play it live or you can watch it later on YouTube or whatever. But there are people who daily twitch and they accept donations. You can watch and say, hey, I'm donating $4.99 a month or whatever. And they're like, oh, thank you. you know, And you can regularly chat with them. And there's some people who have, if not 100 Hundreds, they have thousands of people watching them all the time. It's crazy. The most lucrative of these is girls. Girls who dress like, you know, they do cosplay or they show a little cleavage or whatever. And guys are in there basically harassing them or uh, kissing their ass the whole time. Well, one of these favorite things, you can watch it on YouTube, uh, trolling Twitchers. uh, Just look up, you know, Twitch trolls or whatever. They will donate like so-and-so just donated $10,000 and you'll see them go, oh my God, oh my God. And they're like freak out. And then the person will rescind the uh, donation just to be an asshole. So an Australian teen is learning one of the many reasons why you shouldn't cause grief for Twitch streamers. PayPal has refused to refund Anthony Archer's. Anthony Archer, after he made a total of $50,000 in donations to several well-known Twitch users, including legendary Leah and No Sleep TV, whoever they are. See, guys, we don't know who these people are. As part of a trolling scheme, he intended to cancel the transactions through PayPal a month after making them, leaving the streamers high and dry. But PayPal wasn't having any of it. He's on the hook for the full amount, and given that he appears to have used his parents' credit card, he's in more than a little trouble with them, too. It's not as if gigantic donations are unheard of. Some streamers, including some of those targeted by Archer, have received tens of thousands of dollars in legitimate contributions from wealthy viewers. However, however, this serves as a reminder that there are risks to making a living from community donations. 
Unless you have a safety net like PayPal's, you could lose your shirt to a less than sincere fan. Now, here's the thing. The parents had to have had a really high uh, limit on that credit card because I don't see how this would work. I mean, uh, and why are you letting your child use this or however old he was? It's probably a teenager or something. But um, Twitch troll loses $50,000 is the video. But you can watch a lot of these videos and they're just mean. And a lot of them say horrible things about women. They're just... I, I think there are dudes going through puberty and they don't know what to do with all this pent up frustration they have. Uh, it's just, I don't know. So that was hilarious. I like seeing that they're totally screwing this kid who's probably crying. I'm sorry, mommy, dad. It's only $50,000. What's the big deal? What? What's a big deal? There, there's no way I would let that go. I would say, my son stole the card and get him locked up before I pay that much. You know, I mean, how there's no way I could pay that. You know, you'd be in debt for the rest of your life paying off $50,000 to Twitch streamers. Now, uh, did you guys play destiny? I wasted a lot of my life in destiny. And I even heard that they had an expansion that the taken King, which made the game a lot better. And they're even, they've even announced a new expansion. Destiny's next expansion, Rise of Iron, hits the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on September 20th, complete with a new raid, strike, weapons, gear, missions, and competitive multiplayer mode. This is the first Destiny expansion to hit current generation consoles only. There's no word about the 360 or PS3 releases. Sorry guys, left in the dust. Rise of Iron brings back the Gallahorn Rocket Launcher, a weapon that was overpowered in the game's early days but fell off once Destiny entered Year 2. For those who pre-ordered the new content, the Gallahorn comes in an iron black color. See, all this shit is just, like, new stuff. I play the game to get more stuff. I want more story. I want to be compelled to play because of an incredible storyline. I know not all games are all story. There's also playing and the, but I'm, t I'm friggin' destiny is a slot machine. You're just pulling the handle waiting to get a jackpot of gear. And I can't do it anymore, guys. I can't, I'd rather play, uh, Uncharted 4 and the story ends and I'm done or The Last of Us the story ends and I'm done sure there's a place for shooters and stuff like that but I want a storyline like that's why I wanted to play Doom because it had a story campaign that you could play through once I finish that I'm done I don't need this daily like job side job of playing Destiny all the time I just can't do it I just can't guys and that's the end of my destiny rant. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. This is ETL News. I am the J Strobe. Welcome to the landfill. If you guys would like more, go to. <laughs> I'm just cracking myself up. It's really sad. <laughs> go to nimpodcast.blogspot.com. There you can get previous shows, not just ETL News, but uh, other shows like uh, Trailer React, which we got to do a new one of those, Bill. We haven't done one in a while. Um, also, I would love to do a reaction to Warcraft with Steven. I didn't do one with Ninja Turtles because my wife and daughter, they're like, we're taking a nap after this movie. We're not going to record with you. <laughs> 
So it's special movies, ones I can wrangle people. Like uh, even before X-Men, you know, I enjoyed the movie, but afterwards I didn't feel like talking about it. I was just like, I'm done, man. Ask me next week what I thought. But uh, Warcraft could be like that too. You never know. Uh, it takes special movies to uh, to do this. We'll definitely do one for Ghostbusters because I keep seeing all these Ghostbusters old cast and new cast unite for Jimmy Kimmel interview. Hey, how did this happen? They just ran into each other on an elevator and we're like, hey, let's talk about this. I don't know about you guys, but when I, I try to watch some of that Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel interview and you've got Dan Aykroyd, you've got... Uh, did I say Dan Aykroyd? And you got Bill Murray sitting in the back and you got the new cast in the front. And um, they were like, so when you first saw the original Ghostbusters, what did you think? And I'm like, I can't listen to the reaction. I can't even look at the screen. This is embarrassing. You have Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd sitting behind you. What are you going to say? You're just going to kiss a lot of ass. I don't want to see an interview like that. It's ridiculous. But guys, if you would send me, um, oh, oh, shit. Okay, guys, if you would send me an email, send me some feedback at gmail dot uh, nimpa. Oh my god, send me an email or a voicemail at nimpodcast at gmail dot com. There, I did it. Oh, woof, that was hard. Um. I need to log into my email because I actually got an email I'm going to read on the air to you guys. Okay? This will be really cool. It'll be well worth it if you... Uh, hold on. Let me find it. And here we go. Okay? This is from Swiley. You guys know Swiley, right? Hey, Jaystrom, Steven, and Mulberry Bill. They're not here right now, but I'll pass this message on to them, Swiley. First of all, I want to say that with all of this fresh content and veritable... A veritable embarrassment of riches. You guys are killing it. Hashtag killing it. I'm not sure if that's an actual hashtag. And if it is, it's probably not a great idea to search it on Twitter. Yeah, you're right. Yee. Snuff tweets. Anyway, I've been trying my best to stay optimistic that Captain America Civil War somehow won't be the highlight of the summer movie season. But even if that ends up being the case, what a kick-ass kick-off Marvel's latest giddy but grounded superhero adventure was for summer 2016. I agree, it was awesome. At least we have another Brent Spiner vehicle on the horizon. Am I right, guys? <laughs> the fans spoke and 20th Century Fox heard loud and clear. Will Smith and Randy Quaid be damned. We're not spending a red nickel on the sequel to Independence Day unless Dr. Okun makes his return. Was that his name in there? That's hilarious. Finally, I want to make a YouTube channel recommendation. It's called Fact Hunt by Larry Bundy Jr., a British gent who covers some of the more obscure and amusing trivia concerning titles mainly from the 8-bit through original PlayStation eras, which roughly correspond with my most active years as a video game nerd. What I find really cool is that he covers games that were only popular in the UK, such as titles for the Sinclair ZX or ZX. Really nice. <laughs> okay. The Sinclair ZX Spectrum Home Computer. There's one episode, Top 5 Offensive Cheap Codes, that culminates in one of the most friggin' hilarious, albeit incredibly wrong, things I've ever seen. From the game Alien Breed for the Commodore Amiga. Check it out. Let me know what you think. That's all I got for now. Thanks for all the goodness, guys. 
Thank you, Swally. I love it. I love feedback. Guys, send me some feedback at nimpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love that. It'd be awesome. Also, hey, if you love the show and you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash landfill. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I want you to get out there. Pay attention to those E3 announcements. Lots of cool games coming. Go out there and see Warcraft or some other movies. Watch some new cool TV shows like uh, Preacher or, uh, hey, MasterChef just came back. <laughs> guys, I love you. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Woohoo! You have been listening to Entertainment Landfill News, a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production. Sit, you be you, sit. Good dog. Now this is podcasting. Casting.